Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus, and we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. Cool. Well, tonight we are kicking off a new series. Somebody say, new series. New series. Start off a new series. Won't it? I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do it. Dead or alive? Would you just turn and tell your neighbor, won't it? Won't it? You gotta say it like Bon Jovi. It doesn't count. Uh, and then turn and tell your other neighbor, dead or alive, and then look at him in the face and stare. Dead or alive. Stare down. Stare down the peeps. Uh, yes, Wanted, or uh, the series is actually called Dead or Alive. But you know, you know, if we were around in the 80s, okay, I know people think I'm 42, I'm not, but if we were around in the 80s, this would be a killer message series in the 80s, wouldn't it? Yeah. People would lose their minds with that Bon John, 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 Bon John, Joey. That's a callback to like 16 months ago when I couldn't figure out if it was John, Bon Joey, or Bon John, Joey, or how we all went together. It's a callback. But we were in a message series called Dead or Alive. And I'm really excited about this message series. Y'all got your notes tonight? Yeah. Who's got a Bible tonight? Woo. Who's got a Bible app tonight? Woo. Would you just wave in the air like if you care? There it is. I love seeing it. I see him out there. All right, fantastic. Hey, if you got your Bibles tonight, we're going to be coming out of 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. It's going to be up on the screen. The title of the message tonight is B-O-A. B-O-A. Write that down. B-O-A. B-O-A. 1 Peter 1, 13-16. I have it up on the big Bible back there, the Sky Bible, but uh, if you are following along, flip there real quick. There it is. Sweet. Therefore, prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Verse 16, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Y'all mind if you pray before we go any further? Jesus, we just thank you so much for tonight. Father God, we just thank you that you sent your son to the cross that we can gather here today under your name, under your son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we just thank you that we live in a time and a place, God, where we can meet freely, God, on a Sunday night in Grand Rapids. God, we don't have to fear for our life. We don't have to fear for fear of rejection of man, God. We get to meet freely, God. I don't think we praise you enough, God, for where we are. So, God, I just thank you so much that we have the freedom and liberation to be found in the house of God tonight. We just thank you for everything you're going to do through this service. We don't take it lightly, Holy Spirit, so please have your way. None of us came here tonight, Jesus, just to, just to leave feeling, uh, you know, elated or good. God, amen. Almost fell down. All the counts that happened. But yeah, uh, and I know at the end of my prayer there, I kind of said that we didn't come to just leave feeling good. You know, this is a church that's for a build up, never a beat down, just so you know. If you're new with us tonight, always a build up, never a beat down. I just, I sometimes I think it's just easy, especially in the summertime. We're going to the summer right now, it's spring. And I know you're like, summer starts till June. No, no, no. Summer starts when the next Marvel movie comes out, okay? Summer starts at the theater, okay? I'm just kidding. But 
You know, it's summertime, and there's a million reasons to not be found in the house of God. No matter what day or time church takes place on, there are a million reasons and a million things vying for our attention to not be here tonight. You chose to be here tonight to prioritize being here. And if you're going to do that, you best believe God is going to meet you right where you are and leave you better than he found you. Amen? So that's what tonight's about. But, dead on arrival. So we're starting with a series called Dead on Arrival. And I'm really excited. We've got a boy, Scott Fletcher, preaching next week. He's going to be great. Can't wait. And yeah, Scott's the man. He has a leopard shirt on. Awesome. Is it flowers? Kind of looks like pineapples from here. I don't have a one. So, uh, excuse for everybody. Um, but we're starting a brand new series called Dead or Alive. And just make sure you're awake today. Dead or Alive. And the reason is because, man, we had Easter just two weeks ago. Who was here for Easter service? Make some noise. Woo! Easter service was awesome. And then Jason was here. And, man, I just felt like going into this new season right now. The Lord was really impressing upon me. That if we're going to, like, no, I don't know, leading up to Easter, it's called Holy Week, right? And there's all these things going on, Puchkis and, and everything else. The Puchkis? Or is it Lachkis? Am I getting those wrong? What's Polish? What's Puchkis? Got it. Okay. Lachkis are, are they both Polish? No idea. It's all good. My mother-in-law will fill me in later. It's going to be good. He's mad Polish from the west side of Canada. Anyways, so, Fandale, whatever. Uh, I love you, Annette. You're beautiful. Please forgive me. Uh, so yes, so dead or alive. And I really felt like God was saying to us in the church in this new season that we were going into that resurrection isn't just for Resurrection Sunday. That resurrection isn't just for when Jesus went to the cross. That resurrection isn't just, it doesn't rise and fall. It doesn't live and die on a Sunday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. It doesn't just live there and die there and be there and stay there. Resurrection life is available to every single one of us, every single day, every single point, every single season that we will go through, any struggle that we will go through, anything that we experience in this life, resurrection life is available to every single one of us. And I really felt like God was saying to us as a church that, you know what, some of us tonight, some of us in this season, we need to be reminded that resurrection life is available to us. Some of us, we live in what God is doing in our lives by our unwillingness to allow the resurrection of life to actually be our life. Some of us tonight have limited the power of the resurrection of life. If you're a Jesus follower in here, some of us have limited the resurrection of life power in our lives by what we are willing to believe. Some of us tonight have limited the resurrection of life from being made evident, made manifest in our daily natural lives. We've limited it by what we are willing to lay down. I felt like God was saying to us as a church that there are some things in our lives, every single one of us, I know for me, that we have limited God's resurrection power in our life by what we are willing or not willing to bring before him. And now it's for me, because I love this term. I love this term. I don't think we say it in church enough, and I think it's something that churches used to say, and somehow we moved away from it, but this idea that we need to actually bring it before God. Some of you were like, I have never heard that term. You can, you catch you at the speed. But bring it before God means literally your life. Bring your life before God. Has anybody ever heard the term bring it before God? 
Like you just need to get alone, you need to get in a prayer closet, you need to open up the second you arrive on Sephardah, and you need to bring it before God, okay? Or, or church that we're going to the Bible. But you need to bring it before God. I feel like that's something we don't say enough at church anymore. I think it's kind of gets confusing because some of us tonight, there are areas in our lives that we have not brought before God. I feel like in all history, not just 2019, but throughout all history, Christians, churches, people who are affiliated with Jesus Christ, we, we love having our life saved by God, but not always fully committing our life to God. And when we don't fully commit our lives to God, then we begin to limit the resurrection life that Jesus went to the cross so that we can have. I'm not preaching to anybody tonight. And so for us as a church, we're going to enter the season where we're talking about dead or alive because there are some areas in our lives that we have been praying for, that we've been believing for, that we've been fasting for, that we want to guidance and clarity on, that we want to see doors broke down, walls crushed. We want to see God move in a new way in our lives. We want to hit a new level with Him. And for some of us, our inability to bring things before God our inability to allow the resurrection to have its way in and through every area of our lives have actually limited God's ability to prove us those things because of what we're willing to believe for, what we're willing to confess, what we're willing to bring before God. He has more for every single one of us. When he went to the cross with Jesus, we can celebrate Easter, but when he went to the cross with Jesus, it wasn't simply going to the cross, dying, rising again, and then go do what you want to do. No, no, no. God has more for you. It's called God's best. It's called God's rest. It's called his history. He has more for every single one of us. Do you believe it tonight? Because yeah. I want to take a bet that if you're a Jesus follower in you, you have read John 3.30 or you've seen it tattooed on my arm and you've looked it up and you have thought to yourself, I want more of God. John 3.30 says, let's do more of God. I think for some of us tonight, if you're a Jesus follower, you're the last thing you're going to say is, yeah, more of me. No, 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 I know for Matt, I know for Matt McClure, Matt's best. Uh, Matt's best doesn't even measure up to God's worst. Matt's best doesn't even measure up to God's absence. Which he never is, but if he was, my best still wouldn't even hit how good his absence would be because at least he's still thinking about you, amen? My worst, my best, it pales in comparison to what he did on the cross. And for some of us, if we're going to experience this thing called the resurrection life, we have got to have more of him and less of us. And that goes for me, that goes for you, that goes for everybody who wants to follow Jesus, amen? So tonight, I want to talk to you from the topic B O A. B O A. I think Ingrid shouted out earlier, she said it correctly, that B O A doesn't stand for dead or alive. B O A stands for dead on arrival. Dead on arrival. Because I think as Christians that if we just decide that we need Jesus to save our lives, or we don't decide that we are willing to commit our lives. And we shortchange when he went to the cross for it. We discount our destiny and we don't take God at his word and live to our full advantage with him. Every single human is endowed with a God-given potential whether you become to know him or not. Your whole life he has purposed you. He has put you here with a hope and a destiny. He has plans for you. He has got potential for you. 
But then there's those of us who choose to come awake. The Bible says, awake, O sleeper, and we come to know what Peter just said, the truth and revelation of Jesus Christ. And what do we do? And we don't only just get saved by God, but we commit our lives to God. Man, he blows right through that God-given potential into what is called favor. And we begin to live in the resurrection life, supernatural favor, where God begins to move and put us in conversations that we don't deserve to be in. It was influence that we never thought we could have. Give us a call and a purpose and a platform to speak into people's lives that we have no business speaking to. We start punching above our weight a little bit in the kingdom of God because his favor is upon us. His resurrection life is evident in our lives. But man, as Christian, when we choose to not fully commit our lives, instead just live having a saved life, we shortchange what we make to God for us. And therefore, friends, we are dead on Arrival. Well, how can that be, man? That's what the resurrection life is. I don't want to be in the So we can live in some of the island of Presbyterian, all the people, yeah, 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 All that is very true. All that is very true. But we are dead on arrival if we don't think that this life, that we can have all of God's best without giving up some of our mess, some of our lack, some of our issues, some of the things that we keep doing some of these things that we keep experiencing. Now you and I we will never live fully clear, non-sinful lives because we live in a sinful world we will never be sinless in this plane, but we can actually sin less while we are here. And as we live out that life, we will begin to experience the resurrection life. See, the resurrection life is available to every single one of us because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross. That cross isn't a one and done thing. Some of your ears just perked up and you're like, yo, it's heresy. No, 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 right now. It's one and done. It's one and done on God's end. God said, yeah, I'm going to send Jesus Christ to the cross. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send part of me, the best parts, the character of me that is love, that is hope, that is faith, that is just, that is mercy. I'm going to send one third of myself. Through that cross, so that you can live again. So it's no longer you that lives, but the Holy Spirit that will live through you. I'm going to send my son to die and rise again. I'm going to send my spirit to live in you and guide you. And I'm going to do all those things. God did his death for us. He did his part. The one that's done on his side, it is done. Jesus said, it is finished. The reason I say it's not one and done is because I already come and live with Jesus. It's more like come. And die. Come and die. God says it's better that it's no longer us that live, but Christ that lives through us. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives through us. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Not Matt in me is the hope of glory. Matt in me is sure shame and sure failure. But Christ in me is the hope of glory. If I preach to anybody tonight. And so if we just begin a saved life, but not a committed life, we are dead on arrival. I can't tell you how many times in my life this has happened, church. Man, Matt has shot himself in the foot many a times. If you're in here tonight, you're actually shot yourself in the foot. Sorry, maybe that's a little too close to reality. Figure speech. Hope you have it. If you haven't, you get the class with my hand prepared to go a lot. Good. And I have shot myself in the foot many times in my life. Many times it's just a, it's just a, a human. But many times, even more so, maybe, while I've been following 
following Jesus, I'm following Jesus since I was 16, that's a whole lot of my life. I'm 28 years old. I've been following Jesus for a minute now, and I can't tell you how many times, whether I started something, began to answer the call of God in my life, started dating somebody, whatever it is, these things in my life that were going to be monumental big steps in my life, even small things, job interviews, whatever they were, I cannot tell you how many times I was dead on arrival before it even started, I was already finished. Before it even started, I was already stuck. Before it, already, before it even started, I was held back by my decision prior to it. Which leads me to what Peter said right here in 1 Peter. He said this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Preparing your minds for action. Preparing, say with this guy, preparing your minds for action. I love this church. Preparing your minds for action. Peter is saying preparation always precedes victory. Preparation always precedes breakthrough. Preparation always sets you up for a win. And church, I believe, this church believes that God actually wants to see you and I win. Do you believe that tonight? Do you think he went to the cross for any other reason than for you and I to be his namesake, his image bearer, to be hope and light in the world? This isn't prosperity gospel. This is just the gospel. You and I are here to shine the light and love of Jesus. And we shine bright when we have faith in the darkness. And we shine bright when we're winning as well. Our God sent Jesus Christ that you and I will live. And you and I are living that resurrection life. You and I. Even in the midst of failure, you and I are already winning. Even in the midst of letdown, we are already winning. Even in the midst of hurt, trials, and tribulations, you and I have the capacity to keep on winning. But Peter said, prepare your mind for action. Preparation precedes victory every single time. Some of us tonight, we haven't prepared for things like we should have. Whether that's your marriage, if you're in here tonight, you went into a marriage where you're single in here tonight, and you didn't prepare for that marriage season in your life, let me break down to you real quick. If you don't prepare yourself for that marriage season in life, you will be bringing things in. This is a good gateway into every other area. Trust me, if you do not prepare in your single season and surrender what you need to do to God, bring it before God in your single season in life, you will be outworking these things in front of your spouse and taking out these things on your spouse when you are married. Preparation precedes victory every time. Nobody enters into a marriage hoping that it fails. If you're in here tonight, and you know what, maybe your story, uh, in that section and chapter of your life, maybe you did have divorce, and there's no shame, no guilt, no condemnation. God's best is still ahead of you, never behind you. God still has favor, still has plans, still has a person in your future. He has more for you, so this is not shame on you. This is shame off you. God's best is still ahead of you, amen? You've got to know. you got to prepare. If you're going to go to war, what are you going to do? You're going to prepare. And when you go to war, what do you do? You prepare your mind. You are in simulations. You are in uh, active, you know, you're out there uh, role-playing, whatever it is, just so that you find yourself in these situations. You are dialing and you know how to react. Peter says to all of us right now, he is saying, prepare your minds for action. Preparation always precedes victory, but preparation also leads to determination. Amen? If we don't prepare, we're not going to determine to get through things. How's that work? Because if we prepare, we spend time preparing in the season where God's saying, you know what, I got this for you. Whatever your call is, mine was pastoring, mine was being a good husband to my wife. If we don't prepare in the off-season before we get there, we will not have the determination to get through it. 
when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, when things arise that you did not ask for or you did not see coming, or you would never have wished on your enemy would come to your door. Preparation will give you the determination to get through that season. Isn't that good news? And I'm trying to tell you tonight, preparation is everything. Preparation is key. You're going to prepare for something. You're going to have the determination to get through anything. Why? Because you don't go through the sacrifice, the training, the bringing things before God, and letting Him examine the difficult parts of your heart, the hard parts of your soul, the areas that like to you and tell the people closest to you about. You don't bring those before God, go through those difficult conversations with Him, go through all those things where He is washing away, where He is cleansing, where He is making the decisions about how you feel and how you act and the things that you pursue in your life. You don't bring it before God. You do all of that preparation in your life, whatever sphere that is, you don't prepare the way you should and the way you will. And not end up on the other side of the determination to through because you sacrificed too much. You went through too many heartbreaks and uh, heartbreaks and hardships and memories in your past that you went through that you didn't really want to dig up again, that you didn't want to go through counseling and work out. You went through too many things not to get through this hard scene and to see the victory on the other side. Preparation always gives you the determination to get the victory, amen. And I think it's crazy that Peter brings up superior mind. Why? I heard this, uh, who's it? C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, he said that the mind is the devil's favorite playground. The mind is the devil's favorite playground. Why? Because who controls your mind controls your day. Who controls your mind wins your day, wins your week, wins your life for the duration at which they occupy your mind. If you're thinking about it, you're living it already, even if it never happened. For the millennials in here, Duke's commander said this If you worry, you suffer twice. Right. That's a fantastic piece, brother. Duke's commander, what do we got? So, that's true. Whoever wins, whoever wins your mind, wins your week, wins your day, wins your life through the time in which you occupy your mind. And I don't know about you, church, but when Peter says, prepare your mind, right before he gets down to saying, in your ways, don't be consumed by your ignorant past. Don't be consumed by things that you used to do. Some of us in here tonight, man, let me tell you guys this. Let me tell you guys if I can be honest. Back in the day, okay? I, quite frankly, was a bit of a woman. Okay? I can be honest. I wasn't going around sleeping around with whoever. I wasn't doing any of those things. I actually entered marriage as a virgin and awesome. I don't know what. Amazing. When I would date girls, just to say that I did. I would talk to girls just to get them to fall in love with me. I would chase them. I would pursue them. I was terrible. Just a few years ago, I had a girl that I dated in high school on and off again for maybe six months reach out to me and tell me what she needed to tell me all these years later, ten years later, because Matt was more interested in notches in his belt. The numbers in his black book, if you will, that I was concerned about the souls of the hearts of the women that I was doing life and ministry at the time. She had a call, she had a Facebook message from me telling me, This is what you did. This is how you made me feel. I'm in a completely different place about her. She is still stuck at 17. Here I am working at a church, pastor, Kate and Adrian class. Life is good. I've been all over the, the country at this point in Palestine. Dallas, I've lived a lot of life in the community. And she was still stuck at 16, at 17 years old. Here I am living. 
values of marriage are not, and I was consumed with my former past, my former life, the ignorance in which I chased after if I didn't feel like God decide, decide in my life how I was going to be towards women, the kind of man that I was going to be, the kind of husband I was going to be, the kind of boyfriend that I was going to be. If I didn't let his word be the determining factor, I would be married to Adrian, pastoring at Takeover Church, and I would still be consumed with oppressing women, oppressing my friends, holding women down. That's the honesty of the gospel. That's the honesty of what he's saying to you and I. If I don't be consumed with your former ways, prepare your minds for action. You are going to have a million opportunities to return to your former lives. You're going to have a million opportunities to return to the former relationship or situation or darkness, whatever it is that's been holding you back at that period of time. The things that God set you free from, the devil is going to give you a million opportunities, sometimes all in one day, to return to those former things in your life that God has already said, no, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? Prepare your minds. Peter goes on and says, In all of your conduct, be cold. Because the words that you quote back there, it's actually multiple times in the world, I've been questions on the night, and I said, You are called to be holy, and I hold it. As God's saying, You and to me, be holy. And I am holy. That's God saying to you and to me. That holiness right now, friends, holiness still matters to God. Holiness still has a place in the church. Holiness still has a place in 2019. Holiness still has a place in your marriage. Holiness still has a place in your single season. Holiness still has a place in this world in 2018. In the brokenness that is the world in 2019, holiness still matters to God. Holiness still matters. And I think it's wild because I think of the world in which we live in. And I've heard people make fun of this. I've been at coffee shops or I've been in restaurants and I've overheard conversations time and time again. I kid you not, people make fun of this. Holiness is a joke right now in 2019. The ability to try and remain holy, to remain pure, to do all of these things is a joke in 2019. We all thought it was bad when the Jonas Brothers got blown up for having purity rings back in 2006. No, no, no. In 2019, the way the world is today, holiness has been made a joke. Holiness has been called sanctimonious. Holiness has become self-righteous. Holiness has become pretentious. Friends, holiness has looked at even crept into the church. Some of us as Christians, as Jesus followers, we haven't even attempted to live a holy life because we think that's reserved for monks out in a cave with a bowl cup holding a rosary. <laughs> Y'all got the image of that. bowl cup is for real. Okay? But we think that that's holy. With this idea that, that holiness is to, is to go without you know, monetary things. No, no, no. Holiness is to go out with whatever God has called us in our lives that we need to go out with or need to uh, go away without in order to walk in a resurrection life. Holiness still matters to God. Holiness is not self-righteousness. Holiness is His righteousness. Holiness isn't pretension. It's resurrection. If I preach it to anybody tonight, I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. Just so you can hear me, holiness is not pretension, it is resurrection. It is the resurrection life. Resurrection life and holiness are actually synonymous. 
You can't have one without the other, friends. It takes the resurrection of life that Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and I to even begin to attempt that holiness and to go without because it's by his strength and by his stripes on his back that we can go without these things and he gives us the power to sin less, to chase after him, to go after things that we got. It is resurrection of life that makes holiness possible. But if we're not striving for holiness, if we're not bringing it before God, we will never experience the fullness of the resurrection of life. Holiness and resurrection life are synonymous. Holiness still matters to God. Peter is saying, be holy in all of your conduct, and it still matters to God. I know the world is broken. I know the government is broken. I know the people who are deciding things are broken. I know your marriage has been broken. I know there's been mistrust. I know there's been breaking. I know that people have stepped out. I know that you've been lied to. I know that you've been slandered up. I know the lies that have been whispered in your ears by the devil. I know that holiness still matters to God. And all those things that you think that we wake every day discounts holiness, and there's no reason to even try. God is saying, I have made a way where there is no way for you to be holy. I've made a way. I'm not going to call you to be holy as I am without giving you a way to be holy as I am. And that is Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 plus years ago. Say, it is finished. Amen? Is this helping anybody tonight? Holiness is not prevention, it is resurrection. Friends, you and I, we can actually attain holiness. We can actually sin less. The things that keep us held back, the fact that we feel like we need to have another drink to make it through the day, the thing that we think that we cannot make it through a day sober, that are the anxiety that is crushing, the things that we wake up with in the back of our mind, the fear-ridden life that we have lived for so long that we think robs us of holiness or robs us from even striving after what God says is best for our lives. Friends, it is a fallacy. It is fake. It is a mirage. It is meant to distract you and then to defeat you. God is calling you to say, he is saying you and to me tonight in 2019 that holiness is not reserved for the monks in the hills. Holiness is for the sinners saved by grace. Is there any sinners in here tonight that have been saved by grace? Holiness is for the sinners saved by grace. Holiness is for the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. Holiness is for the prince and the princesses of the kingdom of God. Holiness is for you and for me, not reserved for me because I'm a pastor, because I lead a church, because I have prayer meetings with people. Holiness is for you and me. Resurrection is for you and me. Resurrection is for all of us. That resurrection life is available. Holiness is attainable. And God has more for every single one of us tonight. Do you believe it? 1 Peter 17 25. We'll see what Peter has to say. You have a good Bible. 17 25. Verse 17 says, And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deed. Now, remind you, remind you, verse 16 says, Be holy in all of your conduct, just as he is holy, because he says, You be holy, for I am holy, okay? 
That's verse 16. Match that with 17. He says, if you call on him as a father who judges impartially according to one's needs. Friends, that's huge. That's paramount. That is a crux at which we build our entire faith on. Be holy just as I am holy if you believe in Jesus Christ. Who, by the way, judges impartially according to one's needs? What does that mean? He doesn't judge you on your sin. He doesn't judge me on my sin. His grace isn't based on your performance or on my performance, but rather based on his son's performance on the cross. It is impartial. It is graded on the curve. He doesn't grade you and I based on our sin. He grades you and I based on his son. Amen? You can be holy, not because of your best thing or your worst thing, not because of your sin or your sin less. You can be holy because of Jesus Christ on that cross. Amen. Verse 17 says he judges impartially according to each one of his deeds. Amen. And then he goes on to say, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. He is saying to you and to me, whatever we go through right now, conduct ourselves with fear. It just means respect. It doesn't mean fear like we believe fear to be now. It means respect and trembling, awe and reverence. It means a respect that he is God. He is the creator of the universe. He is who he says he is. So we live our lives based on who he says he is and what he says we should do in all of our seasons. Amen? Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold. Right here, this is key. Knowing some of us in here tonight, we don't understand that we were ransomed with the God of the universe. He robbed your grave. He put sin in its place. He told the devil, not today. And he told you and me, not. Nah, this isn't being bought with silver or gold or any earthly possessions. This is being bought with the God of the universe. The same God who put the sun in the sky and painted the night with stars came and died and rose again for you and for me. Amen. And then it says this right here. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, some of us have we have been underneath the understanding of the idea that I'm always going to be like my dad, that I'm always going to be like my mom, that I'm always going to be a recruiter, that I'm always going to be a Fletcher, that I'm going to be what my parents did. I am their mistake after all. I'm going to walk in those things. No, no, no. He is saying, Jesus Christ, he, reckon, he reconciled, he ransomed, and he won you back. From all of those things that we think that we are good enough and we think disqualifies us from holiness, he is saying, no, 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 no. He ransacked the grave and he robbed it. He paid that ransom for you and for me. He came in on a mission and you were in and he won us. Is that good news tonight? And here he goes. He says, but with the precious blood of Christ, the foundation of, oh, wait, I went too far. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was forsaken. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Not for the monks, not for those that are holy, not for those that were Bible degrees, not for those that are scholars, not for those people who have never had divorce or never sinned, but for you, church. Come on. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Worship team, you can begin to join me. Who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, saying, Your faith and your hope are in God. Is there anybody in here tonight that would say, My hope is in God? Yeah. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, though the living and of through the a living and abiding word of God for all flesh is like grass, 
and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen, church? You ever think about POA? You get on a ride with you. Friends, you and I can actually live out this life. We can actually be holy. We can actually have these things manifest in our life. The resurrection life and all the power, the favor, and the healing, and all of these things that actually come around with it, that come along with it, can actually be manifest and made apparent and alive in our lives. It's not because you and I were DOA. But it's because when Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, when he came into the world, Jesus was DOA. Jesus was dead on arrival. Jesus didn't come here with the hopes of having some amazing business, some Fortune 500 CEO company. The call of God on Jesus' life wasn't that he would live to be 95, bear all of these children, have a wife, have kids, do all of these things, build an incredible uh, empire to come through and overthrow Caesar and be king among all of us here on earth and rule in, in a physical way. No, no, no. Jesus' call of God the reason that he was born, the reason that he came into this life, Jesus was born to die. And the good news about that church is that Jesus was born to die so that you and I could live. Jesus' resurrection, friends, Jesus' death was so that you and I could live. And Jesus' resurrection was so that you and I could live out the resurrection life. These are two things, and these are huge in the church, and we need to start understanding this and living by this. He died so that we could be resurrected. He died so that we could live. But he lived again so that you and I could walk out the resurrection life, so that sin could be defeated, so that hope could come, so that the powers and the presence of God could be manifest among us, so that you and I could live the resurrection life, so that you and I we can live according to the Bible, not according to the That you and I can live according to the hope that he put in our hearts. And not according to the fear that is written in our minds. He died so that you and I could live. And he rose again so that you and I could live the resurrection life. Friends, in the resurrection life of Jesus, you are not the way. You might feel like you're in over your head, but you are not dead on arrival. In over your head just means there's an opportunity for God to show up and elevate you. In yeah. over your head means that God has new wine for you to have. He has new air to fill your lungs. He has new hopes and new dreams for you. Friends, you and I, with Jesus Christ, we are never dead on arrival because He already was. He has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. It's my encouragement tonight that we would begin to take hold, that we would understand that holiness is something that's available to us, that you and I, we don't have to be burdened any longer, we don't have to be held back, that we go from glory to glory, not stronghold to stronghold, no, 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 we get to bring it all before God, we get to bring our strengths and our strongholds, our wins and our losses, we get to bring it all before God, and He gets to decide what goes forward in our lives, and when He decides what goes forward in our lives, we will see the resurrection life manifested in our life. Church, would you stand up? We're going to get ready to pray. Just a moment. We're going to sing a song in just a second called Last Word. We sang it earlier. 
with every head bowed, eye closed in this place. There's nobody looking around. There's nobody judging. There's nobody whispering to their neighbor. There's nobody looking at you. In this moment right now, I don't know where you are on your journey. I don't know what it's looked like. Maybe your journey to church tonight has been a long one. But know that your journey to church tonight it's not about how you measure up. It's about how God measures down. It's about how He meets us right where we are. It's about how He meets you right where you are. So we're going to sing this song, last word, in just a moment. I don't know where you find yourself tonight, but maybe you haven't given God that last word. Maybe the song would be far more powerful, more powerful to you. If you were to allow him to have the last word, if you were to bring it before God, if you were to surrender it and commit it to him. So if that's you tonight, and you had some religious person in your past tell you that you could never be holy, that you weren't good enough, that your parents didn't give enough, that you never, they never made enough money, that you're from the wrong side of the town, that you're from this, you're from that, or whatever they said that disqualified you from holiness, holiness is available to you. If you're in here tonight, Maybe you dropped your hands, you're done fighting, you tried as hard as you can to perform. God's saying right now, rest, because I've already done the performance. I've given not the performance of a lifetime, but of all time on the cross. You don't have to perform, you don't have to pretend. But right now, the resurrection life is available to you. So right now, the wisdom of God. On the count of three, if you just want to put your hand up and you want to say, like, if that's you, on the count of three, just put your hand up, just hide it up long enough so that I can see it and you can put it right back down. Whether it's your first time or your first time in a long time, whatever it is. One, two, three. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand too. I see that other hand. I'm going to cry back there. I see that hand. You can put those hands back down. What I want to do is. Over your life and speak over your life. So if you would, would you just repeat after me? Everybody in this room, nobody has to come into the kingdom of God, the family of God, the family of Takeover Church alone. We are not gonna, we're not gonna outcast you, we're not gonna put a spotlight on you. All of us together are gonna lift up one voice and one faith right now and be excited. So let's just say, Jesus, I give you my life. All of it. Unrestricted.
the single best decision that you will ever make before we stick this up. The band plays behind me. Just, again, I want us, to, want us to close our eyes right now. If you feel comfortable, maybe you don't. It's okay. But if you feel comfortable, would you just extend your hands to heaven right now? Just ready to receive something. I just want to prophesy over each one of our lives, especially those of us that just gave our lives back to God. Jesus, I just thank you for every single person right now, God, that is in this room. God, I ask right now, man, we want more of you, God. We want more of you. We want a fresh portion. We want a fresh fall. We want more of you, God. We want a greater impact of you in and through our lives, God. Right now, Jesus, whatever we have tried to hold back, whatever has hindered us from that resurrection life, God, our hands are lifted high, our hearts are open to receive, and we are saying right now, God, that we give you unrestricted access to our lives, God. Your yes is yes, and your no is no, God, and we give you that. And right now, God, we say to you, you have the last word. You got the last word in our lives. You got the last word on our call. You got the last word in our future. You got the last word in our marriages. You got the last